There was a time when arranged marriages were not uncommon in our community. What do you think, compadre? It was the way it was. We even had a word for it. Combinare. Promesso. To arrange. Promesso. Roberto e Angelo. Roberto e Angelo. But the world was changing and so were we. Hello and welcome to the Matt's Movie Reviews Podcast. I'm your host, Matthew Perkovich, and this is episode number 261. Currently playing in select cinemas across Australia is Promised, a romantic drama set in 1974 Melbourne, Australia, that tells the story of a young couple who are arranged to marry one another under a very traditional Italian custom forced upon them by their parents. A story about culture of love and the clash between the old world tradition and new world values Promised approaches its subject and its characters with maturity and fine storytelling. And I'm glad to say joining me now on the podcast is writer and director of Promised, Mr. Nick Conidi. Nick, I thank you very much for your time today. My pleasure, Matt, and nice to be on your show. Thank you. So something that keeps coming up when I'm when I listen to interviews about Promise is that it's based on a true story. And from what I can gather from the end credits of the movie, this has to do with your parents. Um, why? What was it about the Dare story that really compelled you to make a feature film, not exactly based on it, but at least based on the things that they went through? Um, well, look, I think I just wanted to give back something to my parents, and for, in that case, all migrants, you know, came out here on a voyage to a place they didn't know where they were going to, and and they, you know, brought along their traditions, and uh, and I just wanted to just give something back to them and just show what they did and why they did it in a different light, perhaps put a different perspective on it. I know arranged marriages have got negative um, uh, perception, and, and as they should, but I just wanted to shine a, a, a different perspective on it. And I can really understand where you're coming from with that. I'm myself in a first-generation Australian. My parents came to Australia in 1969, um, and I really do understand the, uh, the concept behind them bringing kind of like their traditional values to a, like a new world country and kind of like the clash from there. And I think it takes decades and decades for that to really start to let go of kind of like the older stuff, but not all of it. I mean, I think it's really important, in fact, to hold on to a lot of those older cultural customs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, look, you know, arranged marriage is an interesting one. You know, the, obviously many cultures in the world do practice it. Um, you know, but there's a, the, the one interesting thing I say, Matt, is that... Um, the people that have seen the film that actually lived through that time, you know, in the 50s and 60s and 70s, they look back at it, you know, nostalgically. So, you know, uh, when we use the term arranged, it is literally arranged and distinct from forced. Um, you know, my case is, is, well, my movie is unique in the sense that, you know, it's more a love story. That's what I wanted to highlight and give hope to the, uh, to the message that love will find a way, you know. Uh, and, the back, and the backdrop is an Italian arranged marriage set in the 60s and 70s, you know. Uh, but, yeah, it's interesting that uh, whilst we look at it now, moralistically, I mean, the people that live, live, um, uh, look back on it nostalgically, which is, you know, it's fascinating in itself, you know. Um, you've got to remember that Australia isn't the Australia that we know of today with the sophisticated social scenes of you can go out any time and meet someone. They had the six o'clock swirl here. You probably don't even remember that, Matt, you know. But, you know, pubs used to close at six o'clock, you know. Mm. So Italians, or well, Italians, you know, Greeks, Croatians, you know, in the endeavour to, um, to you know, uh, find suitable partners for their children, they, you know, in many cases, arranged uh, meetings, arranged marriages. You know, my case is, uh, my film is obviously fictional and unique, inspired by, um, by a 
true premise, and that was the fact that my father, in his wisdom, in the 50s, decided to promise, my mother was pregnant, and his friend's uh, wife was pregnant, and they decided to promise their, their children in marriage. Uh, as it turned out, at, at me and to one of the, girl, uh, to one of the, the, the man's daughters. Um, and, you know, interestingly enough, as a, as a kid, I, I sort of, I didn't embrace the, the concept, but I found it fascinating, uh, perhaps because the girl was gorgeous. <laughs> um, I didn't marry the girl, but I just wanted to shed, you know, I just wanted to make a film about that time without being too judgmental. Um, you know, uh, and that's what I wanted to do. I mean, uh, I'm no moralist, you know. Everyone had the, you know, parents love their children. They have a certain, you know, uh, uh, incentive for them. Um, and, and what I want to do is just sort of highlight in the movie everyone's um, perspective on it without being too judgmental. I don't condone the practice. I don't certainly condemn it. So it's interesting. It's, it's food for thought. In regards to how arranged marriage is portrayed in your movie, is the custom of it, is that something that comes more from the southern part of Italy compared to the other parts absolutely. of the country? Uh, absolutely. Uh, and, and, and typically because most of the migrants that did come were from southern Italy, um, Calabria and Sicily, you know, um, it, it was very common, you know, and surprisingly, uh, Matt, you know, since I made the film, so many people have come out of the woodwork and told me that they were arranged or they know someone's arranged or their mother was arranged, their cousins were arranged, and uh, they, they, seem, they seem to be, um, they don't hide it as much. Since I've made the film, people have come out to me and, and spoken to me about it, you know, and again, they look back at it nostalgically in most cases. Do you also get the opposite reaction where maybe the younger members of the Italian-Australian community will come forward and say they had no idea these kind of practices were done some 30, 40 years ago? Exactly, yeah. Well, even Antoinette, uh, who played Angela, in the, she was, um, she, when she read the script, she thought, you know, oh, well, this is um, this is pretty backward concept. But then she started talking to her mother and her aunties and they sort of... Uh, and they articulated the reasons why that happened, and she had a bit more sympathy for uh, the role uh, and understood the role a bit better once she spoke to her mother and her relatives. And yeah, I mean, it was really it was more common than people like to think it was. You know, I mean, it wasn't just sort of an exceptional case. Is it? I venture to say, there's a you know, a good number. Did you know, uh, Matthew? There was um, fifteen thousand proxy marriages from southern Italy. There's 15,000, which represents some, I don't know, 2 3% of all people that came to Australia. That's sight unseen. And then the, the, the arranged marriage is something where they were, you know, all local people. That, and so that was a, a higher proportion too. So I, I bet you this after 10% of marriages were arranged. And uh, it's interesting because after I watched your film, I looked up statistics and it said that of all the marriages in the world, and this is like a recent study as well, that the yeah. number was like 56 57% were arranged. And wow. the divorce rate between an arranged marriage and, say, a marriage that comes about freely uh, without any type of uh, a force or, or tradition or what have you, um, the divorce rate was much lower in arranged marriage as well. Um, I'd, I'd gather, though, that that would be the case because, and I'm sort of an advocate for it, that when you keep um, marriages within a certain cultural context, whether it be religious or um, if, if, uh, um, um, ethnic, ethnicity, for example, and that's, there is a probably a higher chance that there might be a success there. Oh, well, certainly there's the nuances of that culture that sort of, I mean, uh, there's no clash there. I mean, the Italians, we do things, you know, we tend to go to a lot of funerals, Aussies don't go to that many funerals. 
20 Aussie wife we've got to go to a funeral we've got to go to Lutu it, it, so you, you haven't got that obstacle to overcome that's one reason but the other thing is is also I, I think and what I wanted to sort of highlight too is that um, not in this case obviously Angela was a bit willful but you know um, many people embrace the concept of arranged marriages now I haven't watched this show, but they tell me Married at First Sight is the highest rating show in Australia last year. Mm. That's an arranged marriage, whichever way you, you cut it. You know, it's an arranged marriage, and we accept that premise. You know, we can watch that because people have subjected to get to be in that show, to be in an arranged marriage. So why can't we accept the fact that you know, in certain ethnic cultures, uh, people may have been quite content to subject themselves to an arranged marriage? Well, look, you know, certainly when we talk about arranged marriages in the Italian culture, from my experiences, they weren't forced. What they did, they sort of said, okay, let's organise a meeting at a dinner or whatever. Let's introduce these people to each other. And if there was some obstinate, you know, uh, refusal, that they wouldn't get married. But in most cases, they embraced the concept and were happy to, to go along with it. Let's talk about the cast of your movie. So the main characters are Robert and Angela, played by Daniel Berini and Antoinette Iusu. And I do apologise if I mispronounced that surname there. No, um, you didn't know. That was perfect. Oh, excellent. Um, now, when it came to casting those two actors, because for a lot of us, this is going to be the first time we've seen them on screen. I know they both have a background in both our theatre and screen work, but this is like their biggest thing that I've seen either in so far. Um, when casting yeah. for these characters, did you know of them beforehand? Was there an audition process? How did that all come about? Oh, well, um, I think we found Daniel through uh, Showcast. Uh, he did a he did an audition. I, I instantly liked him. I thought he was perfect for the role. He sort of, um, yeah. And uh, with uh, Antoinette, well, she was uh, in LA trying to um, trying to crack it over there, and uh, she auditioned, and uh, we flew her back, and uh, we felt she was not the most suitable for the role. She certainly got the uh, the aesthetic look for that we were after, and uh, I think Daniel um, had certainly the mannerism. Uh, the way he approached the audition was, I think he understood the character better than most. When it comes to Angela's parents, you have Tina Arena and Paul Mercurio. Paul, we know that he's had screen experience before, of course, with Strictly Ballroom and other films like that. But Tina Arena, I don't remember seeing her in a film beforehand. Is this her screen debut? Yes, it is. Um, she's back in Australia. So, look, you know... Um, when I embarked on this project, uh, Matt, I thought I'd make a small indie film, you know. Uh, the script, uh, screenplay landed in Tennant's lap and she's back in Australia and she wants to get into acting. And to be honest, I was a bit sort of overwhelmed by the fact that she wanted to be in the film. And she wanted to be in the film for the right reasons. Her parents were the last proxy marriage out of Sicily, between Sicily and Australia. Mm. So, so she could resonate with the script and uh, she had an affinity with the storyline and she liked the way I sensitively portrayed uh, that, um, that, that aspect of her parents' you know, union. I've talked to a lot of indie filmmakers, both here in Australia and America. We talk about what happens after you land a big name like that in your production. In your case, when Tina Arena signs on, what happens to the production? Does it get fast tracked much quicker? Does more funds come to your way? Is that the, the like the kind of like the, the follow on after she signs on to the the dollar, the dollar loan? Well, look, the, the the film was privately funded you know, essentially by me and a few friends, you know. So um, the funding was never an issue. It just sort of elevated, you know. Like I planned, you know, like I said, to make an indie film, and you know, but when Tina came aboard, certainly elevated and and Paul. 
elevated the production, the professionalism. It just lifted everyone accordingly. So the film has probably got a um, uh, more publicity than I had intended it would get. And obviously, we, you know, we got into uh, Hoyts and Palace on the strength of our cast and the, the storyline. Um, yeah, so it was a bit overwhelming, you know, like um, uh, my initial... I, I had a love the films, and all that Super rate you see in the film was uh, done by my uncle. He was the, man, the go-to man in the 60s and 70s and the 50s. He was the first guy to have a Super 8, and he, did, he covered probably 100 weddings, and I was his sort of assistant carrying the lights for him. In those days, you had to carry lights to light up the, the, the venue. Um, so I saw all these marriages firsthand, and, um, yeah, so I, that, that's my love of the, of the film. But I, I, like I said to you, Matthew, I intended to make a small indie film. Uh, when Tina and Paul came aboard, it sort of lifted everything. It, it became um, bigger than Ben-Hur, uh, excuse the pun. Another actor who really stood out for me was Mirko Grillini, and he plays Joe, who's the father of uh, Daniel Barini's character. And what's interesting about him is that he came to the acting game really late. I mean, and, and that's really remarkable because he's actually quite good in the film. How did you find him for the role? Oh, look, he was perfect. He reminded me so much of my father, who they command that respect without uttering too many words, you know. Uh, you know, yeah, ironically, you know, he's been canned in some publications, which I can't believe, and no one can, you know, but it's, it's a bit disappointing. But no, look, um, uh, when he auditioned, he reminded me so much of my father, visually, aesthetically, the way he spoke, you know, um, and I had absolutely no misgivings about his performance or, yeah, he's perfect. He was perfect for the role. That surprises so me. Convincing. So yeah, co- absolutely, absolutely convincing because like you said, he reminded you of your father. He reminded me of some of my uncles. Um, <laughs> there is... Well, yeah, exactly, isn't it? I mean, that's the feeling. I mean, and, I, and I'm so close to the film, but he's, and I think we're the same age, Mark and I, but he reminded me of my father and he conveyed that on screen. I have no, you know, you know I mean, didn't that, you know, Robert didn't have to speak to him too much to understand his father. It's that thing where... And like I'm sure your father had, and I know my dad has it sometimes. Certainly, some of my uncles do, where their persona by itself, just a look, a glance, yeah, the look, the look. A, a minimum amount of words is more than enough to get their point across. And I think oh, I, I, yeah. I, I'd say that some people, if they want to take issue whatsoever performance, just have a look at something like say what Paul Savino did in Goodfellas. That certain kind of thing, that kind of stoic kind of thing towards yeah. it, where it's not about um, uh, being animated whatsoever to get your point across. You can get your point across in many, many subtle ways that makes the communication very clear. Well, Matthew, it got through to me, it got through to you, and it got through to most people. So the people that don't get it, they don't get it. I mean, I, you can't do anything about that. But, you know, certainly, I mean, uh, I'm a moviegoer like you're a moviegoer. If it got through to you, it got through to me. You know, um, hopefully, and, and everyone I've spoken to, um, certainly say he was a standout. There's no doubt about that. So, But, you know, uh, we all don't see things the same, so what do you do? Exactly right. Um, the film is based in 1974, so we're talking about period filmmaking here. And when it comes to locations and such, did you have certain areas, certain houses, for example, in mind about where you wanted to shoot your film? Oh, well, it was always, you know, um, I grew up, you know, in and around, you know, um, Foots, I was born in Footscray, so I grew up in and around West Melbourne, Victoria Market. That's something that I always liked, you know, and still got a feel of West Melbourne, Victoria Street. So 
We had a studio, still got a studio in um, Batman Street, West Melbourne, and it was a blank canvas for us. So most of the, set, the internal sets were, were made here on set. However, um, well, Robert's uh, townhouse, for example, the, 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 the house was in uh, Carlton near Princess Park, but the internals was in a studio. Um, the only house that uh, we did uh, we shot in was uh, the grand house in the country, which was sort of uh, uh, the compound. Uh, it's Robert's father's house. Yeah. Everything else we shot in, in essentially in studios, and uh, we just had external shots for houses, uh, and we recreated that um, uh, that period. Uh, it wasn't difficult getting the furniture either. We just you know called on a few aunties to help us out, and we did all right. It's uh, it's quite amazing how both of our well, look, Italians and Croatians are essentially next door neighbours. I mean, Sicily's is right next to where, like, it's I've just been a little... to Croatia. Yeah, and my maiden Navarra is Croatian, well, and uh, yeah, we share very, very similar sort of uh, heritage. That's for sure. So when you were, when I was watching the film and I was looking at some of these houses, especially at the big estate house that you showed, and my father is, was a bricklayer builder, and he made plenty of houses that looked like that, and we lived in houses that looked like that and I think it's also <laughs> also the thing you said before about the couches and such like I can still go over to some people's places and they still have the plastic on some vintage 1970s <laughs> kind of thing which I love by the yeah. way I've been never changed you know I, I, I love that sort of stuff and I think it's important to have that stuff around um, well, they, 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 it just goes to prove they cherish things you know and uh, and I actually you know in one of I'm very sympathetic to our heritage and you know, I'm not, as a filmmaker, and I, I, I really found this battling that I had to make some kind of point. No, I mean, I don't believe that. I, people can make up their own mind. I'm just, I made a film about it's a love story, and essentially the message I want to come at, love will find a way despite itself. You know, that's, that's my message. It was set in 1974. It's a period film. Uh, everyone had a motive to do things. That, you know, fathers, parents thought they were protecting the daughter, the daughter thought she was protecting her boyfriend. Uh, Robert loved her so much that he was prepared to do anything to, you know, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not being judgmental about anyone's actions. I, people can make up their own mind. What, you know, interestingly, I, I want people to go away. To, what would I have done in that situation? That's the only point I like to make, you know. Yeah. And I think it's important as well that sometimes uh, a filmmaker's cultural background really does help in bringing forth the story that they're telling. Um, I've read an interview once with um, Denzel Washington. He was talking about how how important culture can be to filmmaking. He made the example of that. You take Steven Spielberg and Martin Scorsese. Well, Martin Scorsese could have made Schindler's List. Steven Spielberg could have made Main Streets, but it wouldn't be the same. They have the tools. They're great filmmakers, but there's that extra something else that's in there. And I'm sure you felt the same way when you made your movie. Oh, absolutely. You know, I mean, you know, uh, the guys that made The Godfather, he goes, I wanted to smell the pasta uh, on set, you know. Uh, the, the, what I'm so gratified about, uh, Matt, is that, you know, the premiere at the Italian Film Festival and the Italians, the Croatians, the Greeks, they love it. You know, I'm getting positive feedback from all them, you know, because, you know, because uh, uh, of the way I portray their time, our culture. There's nothing more satisfying than that, you know. So yeah, I, I think it's very, very import, uh, important. Important. Um, I, I think I think it gives it a, a greater depth if you understand the culture, if you're part of the culture of film. And that's why, um, you know, if I go again, I can't see myself making films that I don't identify with, you know, because I think you're missing something. 
and I hope that you continue to do so because I'm a big advocate for I'm especially a bit advocate for more films made from like the European Australian perspective because we don't get enough of them here. I think they're um, the Australian film industry is especially geared towards um, making films about the indigenous communities and also um, other communities as well. But I think that the the stories that affect our communities um, are missing out quite a bit. You can't always wait for say a Nick Giannopoulos to make a film. You got to someone else has to step in. And I, I do thank you very much, Nick, for stepping in and making promise for us. Well, I just want to say this, that, um, uh, again, I, I understand exactly where you're coming from because, you know, I grew up, you know, with, you know, the uh, Nick Janobos, which I love his film, don't get me wrong, but they all got that comical slant, you know, uh, or mafia, criminal. There's a body of work. There's a body of... We are a unique people. Migrants, we, you know, you know you, you, I'm sure you're not Croatian and you're not Australian, you know. We, we are unique. We are migrants, and I'm proud of that. I, I don't think it's a, it's a handicap in any way, shape, or form. I don't, uh, but the, the, we are a class of people um, unique to the world, migrants all over the world, and I think there's stories to be told, you know. So um, let's tell them. Absolutely right. So everyone out there listening, promised in select cinemas across Australia, um, it comes highly recommended from me. I put up a four-star review, um, I think it was late last week. And um, Nick Conditi, I thank you very much for your time today and congratulations with the movie. Uh, my pleasure. Lovely to talk to you, Matt, and good luck to you.